Hi, I hope you're doing well. My name is PJ and welcome back to my cabin. So today I've got what they call preacher's choice, which means, and this is going to surprise you, that the preacher gets to choose what they speak on. And in praying about it, I felt like God gave me today's topic, which to be honest is not what I've chosen to look at. There are much easier, safer subjects. You see, I want to talk today about how people get hurt in church, by the church, and more specifically by leaders, which is a little awkward, you know, given that I'm a church leader. Because of course, the truth is that whilst church is the place where we find freedom, community, and meet Jesus, it's not like that for everyone all of the time. It can also be the place where we experience pain, control, and rejection. You may have had negative experiences here at the King's Arms or joined us from another church where things were far from ideal. So what I want to do today is not so much do a preach or deliver a talk. What I want to do is open a conversation in our church family to start, if you like, an honest dialogue within the church on this subject so that we can go towards one another on these things rather than just simply pull back or withdraw. The reason is that in reality, avoiding conflict doesn't build connection. No, connection is found through the resolution of conflict, not the avoidance of it. For example, who's the person I'm closest to in the whole world? Well, that would be my wife, Emma. Who's the person I've had the most disagreements with? That would also be my wife, Emma. That's no coincidence. We're close because we've had to resolve things together, come to understand one another. Apart from how to load the dishwasher, I just know I'm right about that one and one day Emma's going to catch up with me. So let's roll up our sleeves today and get stuck in. Just a few bullet points, if you like, to get us started and set the scene in looking at church hurts and how to overcome them. Number one, I'm not suggesting that everyone's experience of church leadership has been negative or damaging in some way. The vast majority of leaders are good-hearted people doing their best, sometimes under very difficult circumstances. Often they know what it is to suffer under ungodly leadership themselves or are carrying hurts themselves. Uh, you may not be carrying any baggage in this area. I don't want you to go looking for what's not there. Um, so you may not feel like this applies to you in that particular way. But in a world where 50% of Christians are outside the church, you certainly need to be a freedom bringer, helping to bring freedom to, freedom to others. So that's the first aside. I'm not suggesting this applies to everyone, but I am suggesting we've all got a part to play in bringing freedom. Secondly, I'd like to suggest that there are two sides to this story. There's the subject we're doing today, but then there's also the talk to pastors or shepherds, and it's entitled, When the Sheep Bite You. I work part-time as a counsellor and the majority of my counselling clients are church pastors who are beaten up and burnt out because they're kind of crushed under the weight of expectation from the people in their church. Kind of be everything to everyone all the time. Where everyone else in the church is allowed to be human, to have an off day, maybe forget something, but not the church leadership. Well, lastly, and most importantly, I'm not suggesting the King's Arms is perfect or immune to any of this stuff. I'm acutely aware that the potential for hypocrisy on my side is huge. We're just as fallible as anyone else. I've been on staff as a church leader for the past 24 years. I was seven when I started. 
but it's just possible that in those 24 years I've got one or two things wrong. In particular, I think many of my failings have not just been around the acts of commission, so the things I've done, but also of omission, the things I should have done, the phone calls I should have made, the person I should have reached out to or cared for better. And it may well be that I'm guilty of some of the very things I'm talking about today and that perhaps we need to talk and I need to apologise and ask your forgiveness. So that's it by way of setting the scene. Okay, let's look briefly at how God intends it to be and then we can contrast that with some of our experiences. This is how God wants church leadership to operate. There are loads of scriptures on this, uh, but here are a handful to give you a flavour of God's perspective on Christian leadership. I'm going to read the first one, um, which is from Acts 20. Um, it says this, verse 28, this is Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, and he says this, So guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased by his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I really want you to take note of that. And what I want you particularly to realise is where it says that the church was bought through the blood of Jesus. It's his church. He paid for it by his blood. You know, you may have been in a church where there's just one pastor, but the church doesn't belong to that one pastor. It doesn't belong to the leadership team or the trustees. Paul's making the point it's Jesus' church that he paid for by shedding his blood on the cross. So the King's Arms isn't my church or Simon Holly's church or Phil Wilthy's church or anyone else's church for that matter. It doesn't belong to us. You know, uh, for a while we lived as a family in a rented house. Uh, I was allowed to live there. It was my home, but it didn't belong to me. I had to look after it in a way that the owner would approve of, and I couldn't make major changes without the owner's permission. It's just the same in the church. The King's Arms doesn't belong to me or anyone else. The people here belong to Jesus, and I better always remember that. And I can't go around changing stuff without checking with him first. So that's the first scripture. Secondly, leaders are meant to build people up. Here are some famous words from Ephesians 4. It says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. I wonder if you notice there what Paul is saying about Christian leadership. The aim is that we would become mature. What's the purpose here? That we would mature people by empowering them. We see that in verse 12, that we would be built up, if you like, to give people a leg up. One of the phrases that so influenced us as a church is a little phrase by a pastor called Bill Johnson from the States, who said this, he said, we're not trying to grow big churches, we're about growing big people who then go on to change the world. I love that. Good leadership will make you feel bigger. Bad leadership will make you feel smaller, like you have to kind of second guess yourself or cause you to doubt yourself or compare yourself to others. Godly leadership makes you stand tall, makes you want to play your part and fulfill your destiny in God. Good leadership inspires you to be all that you can be. And notice there, as I said, Paul's not saying that his job is to make people happy. My job isn't to make, me, make people happy. It's not like I'm some Butlin's red coat. I can't sing and I can't dance. 
No, instead, Christian leaders are there to help people mature by finding strength in God. So that's the, the second passage I just wanted to briefly refer to. Let me just give you the third one. And we find it in 1 Peter 5. It says this, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, that's the people, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. Notice he says leaders are specifically instructed against dishonest gain and lording it over people, like bullying or intimidation. It's a specific instruction not to do something. It's like God is saying, whatever you do, don't do this one thing. So putting it all together, leaders are meant to lead by example, meant to serve, meant to release others, protect, build up and not domineer people. Then in turn, as scripture says, we'll be willing to submit to those kind of leaders who are doing those sorts of things. That's how it's meant to be. It's meant to be this wonderful environment of mutual respect, service and honour. The trouble is that that contrasts with some people's experience of church life. For example, one lady I spoke to was on the staff of a large thriving church. Things started to go wrong when she began asking questions on how some of the money was being spent, particularly on the building. It was an innocent enough question in a staff meeting, but the leader quickly silenced her. After she started to ask a couple more questions, she was labelled as cynical and lacking in faith. Not long afterwards, the leader told her she'd need to step down from her role in the finances because she wasn't approaching them with faith. In the end, the leader said to her when she was asking these questions, the best thing for you would be to leave and find somewhere else to go. I'll tell you, that's why we have an independent finance team. We get all our accounts audited and have so many different safeguards to avoid that kind of thing. Another guy I spoke to in his early 20s joined a lively church led by a confident, dynamic guy. This young man was passionate for God and eager to please, and he very quickly was on a whole load of teams. But we noticed uh, one day when one of the senior guys from the leadership team, who'd been around for nearly 10 years, a pillar in the church, was suddenly off the team and out of the church. A little while later, my friend asked the senior leader if he ever missed the guy who had been so integral to the life of the church. The leader said, no. I never even think about him. I never even give him a second thought. After that, my friend began to notice that there was this pattern of team members who would join the senior leadership team and then they would fairly shortly afterwards go. They would kind of be in favour for a while and then dismissed. Not after, long after that, he himself was asked to leave. The list goes on. I know of people shouted down in meetings, uh, young people being pushed into confessing sin in public meetings, people kind of dumped with responsibilities on a whim, uh, people who discovered they were no longer on the worship team when their name was simply left off the rotor, women who are labelled as Jezebelic, uh, people who are persuaded to take on jobs they didn't want, or people pigeonholed and boxed off, promises broken and dreams squashed. So the, there's a catalogue of different ways in which church can get things wrong. And we need to be aware that there are some bad practices out there. And that's why we need to hone in to scripture and see what God has got for us. I guess my question to you would be, what's your story? 
what have been your experiences and what have you been through? Because those are things that we want to work through together. I've even put together a little chart to contrast what we may have seen or experienced alongside how Jesus wants it to be. So that we're beginning to build something better and living for something that honours Jesus. Um, hopefully that will come up on the screen for you now. Also, I want to say to you as we go through this, if you're in any kind of leadership inside or outside the church, this applies to you because we want to bring the kingdom of God to wherever we are. Let me just highlight a few for us. We haven't got time to go through them all. Firstly is this, um, the top one you'll notice, ungodly leadership is aiming for an unquestioning compliance, that people would obey the leader, not necessarily scripture, and that they just do what they're told. Nine times out of 10 in my experience, this is rooted in a leader's personal fear and insecurity. If I can just get you to do what I need you to do, everything will be okay. In other words, I as the leader will feel safe. If you're a leader here today, you need to know that your personal insecurity has corporate consequences. Proverbs 30 says, the earth trembles when a slave becomes a king. I've seen too many situations where a spiritual orphan is running a church and it always ends in pain and heartache. What's in the leader comes out in those who follow. It just does. So my number one responsibility as a leader is to get my identity, affirmation and purpose from Jesus direct. Next one. You see there on the chart, ungodly leadership leads by force of personality. Godly leaders lead by example, by contrast. Uh, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. An ungodly leader will aim to fill the room with their presence. They will be the biggest, most dominant person there. Decisions are imposed through sheer force of will rather than consensus. Uh, they will use words in a way that back up this up. They will be often quite quick to categorise people or label them. Pronouncements are made about your gifting or your future. You're not really a pioneer or you're not really like that or you're not really a teacher. You don't really have this skill or that skill and they'll want you to get back in your box. I wonder, are there words that have been spoken over you that still hold power? If so, maybe today is the day for you to get some freedom from that. By contrast, godly leadership wants the Holy Spirit to fill the room. What's God saying? What's he doing? What's he calling you to do? My job as a leader is to make Jesus famous, him the centre of the room, centre of attention, not me. And then just briefly for the sake of time, let me pick up a couple of more that you'll see towards the end of that chart. Um, with ungodly leadership, power usually focuses around one person. So they promote themselves and their ministry they may have an organisational chart that shows a team or some sort of leadership group, but in reality, they're the spider at the centre of the web and everything goes through them. It makes them feel safe, but strangles the very life out of the church. It means that the church gets all of the leaders' strengths, but also all of their weaknesses. And there's a lack of balance. There's no spread of gifts. And most importantly, there's no one there to tell the lead guy, it's normally a guy, when they're being daft. So daft decisions get made. It's toxic and it's dangerous. Good-hearted people get trodden on. People leave, give up on church, give up on following Jesus even maybe. And that enemy loves every moment. And it makes me desperately sad. One of the things I love about the King's Arms is that we have a diverse leadership. And Simon Holly, to be honest, is to be honoured for that. He hasn't surrounded himself with yes men and women. 
we're all completely different. Personally, I think I'm the only normal one here. I'm just waiting for everybody else to realize that. I tell you, having such a mix of gifts doesn't always make life easy. We have different emphases, different points of view. We may have heated discussions, there's debate, there's disagreement, there's bloodstains on the carpet. And you know, I think somehow God is honored through it all because there's a difference, there's diversity, there's variety in the team. Okay, I better just move on. Uh, the net result of ungodly leadership you'll see on the chart there is constraint and actually in the end only rep rep reproduces clones. If you like, it's kind of a sterile environment. Whereas godly leadership says, you don't have to look like me. I want you to look like the godly version of you with all of your unique blend of gifts and abilities. So I wonder as you look at that chart, which column do you most identify with? Which column, by contrast, are you most demonstrating in your leadership? You see, if your experience has only been that left-hand column R, then the chances are you just feel stuck. So often you feel like, I don't know, like you've got nowhere to go, no one else to talk to about this because otherwise you'll be accused of gossip and disloyalty. And then perhaps you feel like your only option is to move on somewhere else. Or maybe you choose to keep attending, but you're not really going to risk your heart again in a hurry. So you're just stuck. You love God, you love the church, but you're carrying all this disappointment and pain and it feels like too much to trust again. As they say, once bitten, twice shy. I'm wondering what your story would be. Is the Holy Spirit placing his finger on anything for you today? If you identify with any of these things, I want to say to you as a leader in a church, uh, someone who carries that title, I want to say I'm so sorry that these things have happened to you. It's not meant to be this way. My appeal to you would be, please don't let that be the end of the story because Jesus is gonna build a glorious church that's better than what you've experienced and I want you to be part of it. So that's why I'm saying, let's talk about it. Maybe talk to someone you know and trust and start to process your experience. Uh, or if it's helpful, the pastoral, pastoral team's email address is pastoralatkingsarms.org and uh, we can talk, we can have a conversation, get in touch with us and we'll arrange a phone call or to meet up in person and we can just talk and I can listen and the team can listen and we can talk to you about your experiences and pray through them with you. I've blocked out this Wednesday coming and Wednesday afternoon and evening to meet or phone and chat to as many people as I can and the rest of the team will make time available as well so that we can begin to leave some of these experiences processed and leave them in the rear view mirror so that we can go on and do all that God's called us to do together. So a tough subject for today, but I hope you found that helpful and I hope that we can continue this dialogue together. Thanks so much for watching. God bless you all.